All right. Welcome to Tabernacle class. I don't even know what number it is, but we're in Tabernacle. We are at the Brazen Altar. <clears throat> We've arrived here at the Brazen Altar, and tonight is uh, the second part, I believe, uh, Pastor Rocky two, two times ago had Brazen Altar, and this is the um, second part of that Brazen Altar. And tonight, there's a hair on this, tonight my portion is to give the corporate altar. I'm going to reveal through the uh, through the brazen altar, the corporate altar. Now, this is our mock-up of the brazen altar. We had our Aholiab, Marvin Lepke, built us the uh, tavern, or, uh, built us an ark of the uh, brazen altar. Has the four four corners. We'll talk about has the graded network and it's hollow. And so that is our mock-up of our brazen altar. We do have uh, all the other pieces, so we're going to have all the pieces of furniture as we go. Now, remember, remember last time when I taught what we talked about. Do you remember? Does anybody remember? Jesus is the tabernacle, right? That the highest order of anything is what to become it. And so as we look at the tabernacle, if we stand the tabernacle up, we understand that the Scripture says His feet were like fine brass, and this is the brazen altar, right? And then we have the laver, and then we have the holy place, and we have the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant. It's in the uh, most holy place. We have the uh, candlestick. I'm not a very good artist. I wish I was. Got the table of showbread, the altar of incense. That's supposed to have some legs on it, something like that. This is the door, the gate, the door, and the rent veil. So there are one, two, three, four, five, right? Pieces of furniture, correct? Are you with me? Do you see the tabernacle? If this, if this is his, if this is six, if this is the brazen altar, and it's made out of brass. Everybody say brass. The metal that was used in the outer court was what? Brass. So brass signifies what? Judgment, right? So this is the brazen altar. This is the place of judgment. Now, the thing about this uh, brazen altar, it is the only place that sin is dealt with. Say it with me. It's the only place that sin is dealt with. After this piece of furniture, it's not about sin anymore. It becomes about righteousness. Okay? The only place that you will find sin dealt with is at the brazen altar. And most of us, if you grew up in Pentecost, if you grew up with me, every piece of furniture dealt with our sin. Talk about the laver. You gotta to go to the laver and you gotta get water baptized. Get rid of that old man because you're sinful. You gotta to go to the table. And take, you gotta to go to the table and take communion. Cause you know you got sin and you gotta take communion. You know, you're always trying to get better, always trying to get good enough for God. So anyway, on, what I'm, want to talk about tonight is the brazen altar. And the issue with the brazen altar tonight is that it is the corporate altar. Now the highest form of anything is to become it. So now that we are become the brazen altar in the earth. So let's start. Are you ready? Before I start, let me tell you this. There is the type. There is the type, which is the tabernacle of Moses. There is the prototype. Prototype, which is Jesus. And then there is the antitype, which is head and body, Jesus. 
You see that? Because the type is a shadow of something to come. The type is the tabernacle of Moses. It is a shadow of something that is to come. There's, it's not a substance. It's a shadow. So then Jesus, the prototype, the substance, the man, comes on the scene. He is the prototype. He's the first one off the assembly line. Because there's, he's the firstborn among many brethren. There's a whole bunch more coming. And the whole bunch more coming is the antitype in the head and body, corporate body, which is Jesus. So we are the antitype. Are you with me? Are you all with me? All right. Are you ready to get started? Altar means a place of slaughter, to slaughter the animal. Now, how many of you know that the beastly nature of Adam had to be slaughtered on the brazen altar? It had to go by way of death. You had to have a death. You had to have a death. Death was the only way that could free you from the Adamic nature. Death was the only thing that could do it. He said the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of the nature of the old man's sin is death. In other words, that's what it's got to take to get you free from the Adamic. It had to be a death. So brazen altar is the place of slaughter of the beastly nature, Adam. So it laid that beastly nature down on there, and it's a place of slaughter. Hebrews nine, Hebrews ten nine says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. What was his will? His will was, he said, I take away the first to establish the second. So what he's doing is he's taking away Adam, the beastly nature, to establish the second, which is Christ in us. Are you with me? He said, I come to do your will. What was the will? To take away the first. What for? For the purpose of establishing the second. So a death had to ensue. A death had to happen to free you from the old man so that life could be, your life could be Christ. Are you with me? Do you understand that there had to be a death? Now the thing about that death is though, it wasn't just him dying for you. I truly believe that the half of the gospel, the half that has not been told us, is the half that his death was us, that we died with him. His death was our death. And that understanding that we were not just spectators watching him die for us, but that we were participators in that he died as us, is the difference between the half that's told and the half that is not told. And I believe the unveiling of the half of the gospel that has not been told, the rest of the gospel, is the understanding that your death was not, you'd, he didn't just die for you and you're watching him die on the cross. You were a participator in that you were in him, and when you were in him, you were, you received Receive the death that you had coming to you in Adam. You had to have the death, and you got the death because you were in Christ, and that death was put upon Jesus, and you got the death you had coming to you. You got it. It's just like all the wrath that Adam caused in high treason, the wrath of God was against Adam. So God had to pour out all his wrath upon Jesus, and you were in Jesus, so you already had the wrath of God poured out upon you. I've already had the wrath. I've already got the punishment that I had deserved in Adam. All the, what everybody thinks now, if you, if you um, aren't saved or you're not doing something, you're going to die and go to hell. And so they believe that you're going to receive the wrath, this impending judgment that is yet to come, that's going to be poured out upon you. The impending judgment is that he sees all men in Christ. He already poured himself his judgment out on all mankind. He emptied the bowl of judgment. There's nothing left in. There's no more judgment to be poured out. Adam got all the judgment. It emptied the bowl. There is no more. 
So the judgment that God had against Adam was already emptied out. It is an empty bowl. And it's over, over for Adam. Are you with me? All right. Are you sure you're with me? Now, I was thinking about the crucified life because my idea of what the crucified life used to be and what I think the crucified life is today is two totally different ideas. What I used to think the crucified life was is that daily I'm going to lay down my, I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to crucify my flesh and, and I'm going to say no to this and I'm going to, I'm going to leave this behind. And it was always about what I was leaving or putting down. It was about nothing about what I had received in Christ. There was no receiving. It was only getting rid of. So when I realized, I wrote this, the crucified life is this. It is reckoning that the old man is dead and simply declaring the new. That's the crucified life. Declaring the old man's dead and simply living out of the new. That's the crucified life. Because when I live out of the life of Christ, it automatically crucifies the old man. I don't have to do a thing about the old man. Because I spent most of my time trying to nail myself to the cross. Because his hanging was my hanging. The crucified life is simply reckoning the old man dead, knowing he's dead, and living out of the new. That's it. The brazen altar is the only place sin individually and corporately is dealt with. The brazen altar was the corporate cross. The brazen altar was a place of corporate judgment. We all got the judgment. It was an all thing. It wasn't me individually. Oh, he didn't come and pick out a handful and say, Oh, this many of you are worse than this bunch, so this bunch is going to come and die on the cross for me. This bunch is going to stay here and watch. It was an all-inclusive plan. Because really there are only two men in the earth. There's only Adam and there's Christ. And you're found in one of those. So the all that was in Adam found his way on the cross in Jesus and got the judgment. So now that the all in Christ receives the life of Christ and the judgment is already passed. Are you with me? The the cross was the place he repaired all the destruction. Now that was, I put that on Facebook today. The cross was the place he repaired all the destruction. The brazen altar was a place of praise and thanksgiving. Now, I never thought of this. I think of when you look at the brazen altar, it was a five by five by three. So it was a place of grace right off the bat because five is the number of grace. So we got five by five, but we got three. That's grace for all three dimensions. Faith for spirit, 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 soul, and body. Grace for all three dimensions. Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. He administers grace. So the brazen altar is a plate, it's a five by five by three, and it is a plate, it doesn't have steps, it has a sort of like a hill of mound of dirt that the priest would walk up, and that they would put the, the sacrifices on. Now the thing about this, this, what I understood was, it was not just one sacrifice that got the job done, it was a continual sacrifice of a whole bunch, it was a corporate sacrifice. It was more than one. So it was a corporate sacrifice. Do you understand that? It wasn't just one lamb they put on there and that lamb burned and burned and burned and burned. It was continually they were putting something on the altar. It was a continual. It was a whole bunch. All, everyone, all have sinned and come short. So all have to find their way to the brazen altar. So the corporate, the corporate, the corporate, are you with me? It's the corporate sacrifice. It was a whole bunch of sacrifice. And it was a bloody place. It was very bloody. There's blood everywhere. 
It was a bloody place. Are you with me? So we got the brazen altar. Now, what I want to talk about the brazen altar, Kaylee, I'm going to skip way over, I think, um, and come back. I want to talk about what the what the altar was made of. And this was this was I when I was at Mother's garage sale. I was at the garage sale, and I had heard this, and I had not, I did not know this when I had uh, when I come across this. Talks about the shittim wood. Now, the shittim wood, which is acacia wood, and the shittim, is, well, I'm going to spell it because y'all won't believe me. Now, you don't write this. The shittim wood is the corporate wood. It's corporate. Shittim is plural. The I am. The I am makes all the difference when it comes to corporate. (laughs) Here's your $10. Yeah, Marvin got it first thing. So Shatim is a corporate wood. The thing about the corporate wood, the Shatim, is this. Is that it didn't take, it wasn't just one tree that did it. It took more than one tree. It was a corporate shatim that was that made the tabernacle. There's shittim wood in the brazen altar. There's wood in the in the uh, altar of incense in the table. And there's there's wood there's wood in the ark of the covenant. There's wood in the boards and the pillars. The whole thing is is made up of shittim wood, a, a plural, a corporate expression of the shittim wood. Now, let me tell you about that tree. It was nasty, gnarly. It was ugly. Nobody wanted it. It was all knotted up. And it had an icky, yucky bark on it. And that was you and Adam. But he took the whole of mankind. He took the whole orchard, a whole whole lot of us, as nasty, gnarly, yucky, and had a big, bad bark. And he stripped us in Jesus. We were in him. He stripped us. He scourged us and he fixed us and he made us until now the beauty of the shittim wood is so wonderful. It is a heavy wood. It is a close grain. It is a close knit community of Christ, a corporate people as the shittim wood. We were gnarly and ugly, but by the time Jesus got finished on the cross, he changed us from the humanity of gnarly and ugly with the bark. He changed us to a refined, a refined new humanity in Christ. And so now it's not about just one tree did it. It took a whole host of shittim, of acacia trees, acacia wood, to create an entire host or company of priests. You see that? Do you see how? And it was shittim wood, and Adam was gnarly, but whenever the, whenever God gets through with it, then we become a beautiful display worthy of the tabernacle. And this was, uh, this was shittim wood overlaid with brass. This was overlaid with gold, overlaid with gold, and overlaid with gold. And the bar, and the boards, and the pillars were also overlaid. So our humanity, the new humanity of the redeemed mankind, when he said, behold, all things are new, he meant spirit, 
soul, and body. That means our humanity was new. That is the hardest one for us to get our brain wrapped around is the new humanity. Because we still think we have a new spirit and a soul, but we're still waiting for the shittim wood to come into alignment. But the new humanity, which we are, is in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We're not who we were in Adam. Are you with me? I wrote humanity in Adam. It was a large tree with thorns, gnarly bark twisted. I couldn't die by myself. I had to have you to die with me. We are in this tree together. New humanity in Christ. We once had a bark that was stripped away, close grain, very heavy and weighty, indestructible. Listen to this. Insects would, could not penetrate the shittim wood. There is no devil that can destroy your flesh. We were in the flesh in Adam. We were in the unrenewed flesh. But in Christ, we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And now we have a holy flesh. Flesh is not bad. Flesh is good. Because it's the nature that drives the flesh that determines the outcome. Are you with me? The I am makes all the difference in the Shittim wood. The Shittim wood in the uh, Subtuagent says this, that it calls it the incorruptible wood. It's incorruptible humanity. Now listen to that one. It's incorruptible humanity. It was the sinless death of Jesus that made us sinless. You don't have to, you don't have to sin. No. No. It's not your nature to do that anymore. We are now holy flesh. Acts 2.27 Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer the Holy One to see corruption. If we are the Holy One, we will not see corruption. is incorruptible. There's no devil, there's no insect that can penetrate the incorruptible humanity that He's made us on the resurrection side of the cross. Are you with me? Are you sure? So we've got the corporate humanity, right? It took a whole bunch of trees to make the shinam wood. We understand that that's corporate. That, 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 that is our corporateness of the brazen altar, right? That the brazen altar was made up of four different sides. It wasn't just one. It was one, two, three, four, right? So it's not made up of just one. It is a corporate brazen altar. Now, the thing about this brazen altar, let me go back to my notes here where I was at. The thing about the brazen altar, it's the place of, it's the place of death, but it's also the place of life. The brazen altar was the place where they were offering the sacrifices, but once the sacrifices fell through the grate, it became ashes. The sacrifice that fell, it was consumed and it no longer, it no longer existed. It was just a bunch of ashes. And he said he gave us beauty for. So once he consumed us, the fire of God consumes us on the cross. There is nothing of our own man left. It just simply turns to dirt. Turn to 2 Corinthians 1.9, Kaylee. Now at the brazen altar, we experience a death certificate and a birth certificate. 
The brazen altar, you receive a death certificate and a birth certificate. This is the death certificate, Second Corinthians one nine. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Do you see the corporate? We, corporate, had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. John twelve, thirty one through thirty two. Want to talk about judgment a minute. John twelve, thirty one through thirty two. Now the judgment of this world is come. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now what I could see is I could see the brazen altar. And I could see Jesus lifted up on the brazen altar. And I could see all of mankind like, you know, you've seen, you've seen those little, you have that magnet and he has all those little grains of that little black stuff. I don't even know what magnetic black stuff. And you use your magnet and it draws it to itself. I just see God as a magnet, and I just see all men just suck to Him all over. That we become the corporate drawing where He drew everything, everyone to Himself. And He said, now the judgment of this world. What judgment? The judgment of the old man at that point. The judgment of the old man was passed. Poured out upon Adam. Adam got his punishment. Adam got his due. Adam dead. Over. Say over, over. We had to have a death as Adam because sin required death as its payment. The drawing power of the cross drew us to the death we had to die. Death was the only remedy or the thing that could free us from sin. The remedy for your sin is simply death. Are you with me? The brazen serpent. Jesus was lifted up on what kind of serpent? The brazen serpent. It was a judgment. Because brass means what? Judgment. So he was lifted up on the brazen serpent. Why was he lifted up on a brazen serpent? Serpent, Because he identified with our humanity as the old unrenewed humanity. He identified with us as our sin so that we could identify him within, in his righteousness. What man could never do, Jesus came and did. He couldn't redeem man as God. He had to come as man to. Re- he had to come as man so man could become as God. Galatians two twenty, Kaylee. I singular am crucified with Christ. Corporate, nevertheless. I live singularly, yet not I. It's Christ's corporate that lives in me. Galatians 2.15. It says this, I died on the cross with Christ. Romans Romans 6.6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, the body of sin, the humanity in the nasty, gnarly, barky state was destroyed. So that why? You could become the new humanity, and now you could become the body of Christ. Now, if you don't understand, you are the body of Christ. And my the biggest thing that changes for me is that he does not put new wine into old wineskins. What does it, Rocky, what does new wine do to old wineskins? And then what happens to it? It blows up and explodes, right? So here's the deal. He put new wine into the new wineskins, into the new humanity. You're in better shape than anybody ever told you. Colossians 
2.14 says this. Are you with me, Kaylee? Having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he hath taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You can't fix Adam. You've got to kill the sucker. The only solution for the man of sin is death. You had to die because sin demanded the death. That took care of Adam forever. So now that he is out of the way for good, Christ has raised us to a whole new place of grace forever. There is nothing to go back to. It's all gone by way of the grave and it stinks by now. There is nothing in Adam worth fighting for. Jesus is our new stronghold. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides as singular, only Jesus. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it brings forth what? A corporate Christ. Do you see the corporate altar? Are you seeing the corporate altar with me? Do you understand it? Jesus is resurrected, resurrected multiply. It is finished once and for all. Now the corporate Christ Rules on the basis of his finished work. Now that's the draw. Everybody say that's the draw. The draw brought the death. Okay? Now, the same brazen altar, same place. You got a death certificate now. The old man's dead. Right? The sacrifice is on the altar. It's a corporate sacrifice. It's not one animal. It was a bunch. It wasn't just one tree that had to be uh, had to be cut down. It had to be a bunch of trees. It, everything about it was more than one. It was in, it was multiplied and incorporate, meaning that all men, all men, when he drew all men, he drew them for the purpose that all men might flow out of Zion. Now, the the birth certificate flowed. The horizontal, you were resurrected. Now, this is where you're resurrected. If it says it about Jesus, it says it about me. Say it with me. If it says it about Jesus, it says it about me. He became a we. Now, that's very important. He became a we. He was lifted up, but became a we when he drew all men unto himself. Are you with me? He was lifted up, but he became a we when he was lifted up and drew all men unto himself. So now Jesus is a we. Jesus ain't a he. He, Jesus, now is a we. Because all men are now drawn unto him and are in his loins. Are you with me? Psalms 2, 7 says this. Here's where you were, here's your, uh, when you were born again, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, corporate. This day have I begotten thee, head and body. That's what he said. He said, Thou art my son, corporate. This day have I begotten thee, corporate. It's about the corporate. Because he's not a he, he's now a we, right? When did he get to be a we? When he was lifted up and drew all men, he became a we. This is the reply of the Father. Then said I, lo, I come. How does he come? Here he's talking. He said, I come in the volume of the book, in the corporate of the book. He said, I come in the corporate of the book to do your will. Do you see it? 
As the Father has sent me, John twenty twenty one. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now the he that become the we becomes a we expression in the earth in an apostolic mandate of being sent. Now we were lifted up, drawn to him on the cross. He drew all men. He became a we. Now once we are drawn to him, the death is ours. We're put on the brazen altar. We're burned with fire and sacrifice. He consumes the altar. Now we turn around and now we're flowing to creation. Now the flow begins. Now the life starts. You don't just experience the death and that's the end of it. You experience the death of the old man so that he resurrects you as the new. So now you live as the new, not the old. You were living as the old, but the old had to die. The only thing that could, only thing you can do with Adam's killing. So he had to die. He died. Why? To loose me from the bonds of him so that I could be free to live the life as Christ in a corporate we. First Peter one twenty three, Kaylee. Our humanity is incorruptible, indestructible. No devil, no insect can penetrate the humanity, the incorruptible humanity which he has made us. We are the corporate brazen altar in the earth. Now that we have experienced the, the death, now we are understanding the, the reality of the life that is now ours to live. John, what I say? First Peter one twenty three, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Now turn to Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies corporate as a living sacrifice. What are your bodies? Corporate. They're holy. Holy. A holy body. Ooh, yeah, that's me. Acceptable. That's holy body. Unto God, this is your reasonable service. I saw this today. Present your bodies, corporate man, a living sacrifice. How are you going to present it? Now I'm a sacrifice of holy and acceptable. Because why? I'm the new humanity. Because I once was barky and and ugly. I once was gnarly and nasty. But death took care of that. And now we are refined. We have been, we have been processed into a wonderful, wonderful wood. And now our new humanity is indestructible. It cannot be penetrated by the devil. The bodies are holy and acceptable. The Word became flesh. If the Word became flesh with the one-man plan, then when He became a we, now the Word became flesh as a many-membered man plan. It's easy to receive it that when He was walking in the earth that He was the Word made flesh. But when He ascended and gave gifts unto men and apportioned Himself among all mankind and that He became a we, it's hard for us to really believe that that power, that resurrecting power of Christ, really can make our flesh, make our Word flesh. To be sure. Now Christ, Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T, We are now the Lord's Christ. Christ is now, because Jesus the one man was in the earth, right? And when he wrote in Acts 1, he said, 
O Theophilus, the former treatise, which was Luke, I write to you of what Jesus both began to do and to teach. This is what Jesus began to do and teach. But then when he went to the cross, now in Acts, he crosses over. This is what the one man plan did, just one man Jesus. But in Acts, now it's the many-membered plan that Jesus is going to do. He diversifies himself. Same Christ. Different administration in that he apportioned himself among all men instead of just one man, Jesus. Now, that's hard for us to understand. Turn to Acts, go to Acts 1-1. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of that of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, this is where he began. He began it over here in the earth when he had come, born of Mary. He comes into the earth. He, lived, he has his ministry for his three years. This is what he began to do and to teach. This is his beginning ministry. Then he goes to the cross, and the, by way of the cross, now he's fixing to diversify himself and multiply himself. He was one corn of wheat that fell into the ground and died at the cross. But that one corn of wheat that fell in the ground and died at the cross is also resurrected at the cross, multiplied. Keep going. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostle whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Go to the next one. Keep going. No, 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 go back. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days thence. Go on. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, go to the next one. And he said to them, it's not for you to know. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go to the next one. He said, but ye shall receive power. Here's the thing. He said, now, he said, now, I tell you, he, he said, now, this is what Jesus both began to do and preach. He said, now, I'm going to tell you, he said, there's going to be a Holy Ghost that's going to come, and you're going to receive power. And they're saying, well, when's the kingdom going to come? I just told you, you're going to receive the power. When's the kingdom going to come? I just told you, you're going to receive the power. What is the power? The power is of the kingdom of light. The kingdom of his dear son is going to make its entrance into your heart. Not many days since, but when's the kingdom coming? It's not for you to know. Just shut up and sit down. And he said, I'm going to do. I'm going to command you to stay here until the Holy Ghost. He commanded. Did you hear what I said? He commanded them to stay there. He didn't say, would you please stay here until the Holy Ghost comes? Everybody gone to pizza. He commanded them to stay here. And he said, but you shall. But you shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. The whole house is full. And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had heard, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. What received him? A cloud received him where? Out of their sight. What received him? A cloud received him what? Out of their sight. What was he caught up into? The clouds. Who are the clouds? 
Go to the next verse, Kaylee. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, beholding, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, here's what they said. Jesus is ascendant, he come up in the cloud. In other words, he had just apportioned himself into the heart of man. He had just gone into man. He had just found himself a place to dwell again. Because God had been homeless, remember, until the cross. And then God provided himself and made himself mansions worthy of himself, a temple of the Holy Ghost. And now he's re-entering mankind again. And he said, why stand ye here gazing into heaven? What does it say? This same Jesus. What Jesus? Read it with me. This same Jesus, which was taken up from you in heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What Jesus? This same Jesus. He just said, He just said, the former treaties that I write to you is about the one man, what he both began to do. And now he's saying, this same Jesus, the one you just heard from, the one over here, the same Jesus is coming into a corporate expression. He's getting bigger. He's going into the clouds. He's apportioning himself. This same Jesus will come again in like manner. How did he ascend? How did he go? He went up into the clouds. So if he's going to come again the same way he ascended, then he said in like manner. He didn't say in reverse manner. He said he's going to come again in like manner. If he ascended in the clouds, he has to come back again ascending in the clouds. Are you with me? If he ascended into the clouds, he said I'll come again in like manner. So he has to come again ascending in the clouds. So who's the clouds? We are. So he's ascending, uh, coming up and out of us a cloud. Coming up and out of us a people. So that the one man Jesus on this side of the cross becomes the many-membered Christ on this side of the earth. And he comes again. He might look invisible, but he's not. I give God an address. My body, this, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And he comes in like manner all the time. Every time I lay hands on, holy hands on holy heads, he comes again. He ascends up in the clouds. He's not just about a first and a second coming. There's a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And he comes every day that he reveals himself to you. He's a continual corporate appearance of the Christ in the earth. We're the body. body of sin was destroyed. Why? So that you could become the body of Christ. And God re-entered man and he's walking in the earth that's why he's got to have your feet your arms your hands are you with me romans 12 5 so we being many are one body where in christ christ is the corporate expression of jesus christ is the corporate expression of jesus it's the corporate altar 1 Corinthians 6.17 But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I don't have a spirit and you got a spirit and you got a spirit. And we all got these diversity and we're trying to make unity. We all have one spirit. He apportioned himself among all of us. That's how God magnified. He multiplied himself. One corn of wheat falls in the ground. He resurrects multiplied. How does he do that? Because he's apportioned himself among each one of us. 
And together we all comprise the fullness of Him. And He be the head of the all. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12. For as the body is one. The body is what? The body is one. And hath many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. There's your answer right there. For as the body is one. And hath many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. One body Different expressions. It's a corporate altar. Are you with me? Romans 1.16. I'll just read these to you. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the corporate expression. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The expression, the gospel of the corporate Christ is the power of God into salvation. Because at any place, at any given time, at any given moment, when there is a Christian on the scene, it's the power immediately. You don't have to wait for God to come down. You don't have to wait for some man to fly over here from Egypt somewhere. You simply, you're already on the scene and it is the power of God into salvation immediately. Revelation 11:15. Christ is what? The corporate expression of Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the corporate expression of the one, of the man Jesus. You understand that? He be head, we be body, we be one. What did I tell you? The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. Who are His Christ? The many-membered man. The corporate man. Revelation 12.10 Now is salvation come and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. Now. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. How? And the power of His Christ. How is that? For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accuseth them before our God day and night. How is he cast down? Because we, as the Lord's Christ, have arisen in the earth and said, Nope, not this shit of wood you're not. Nope, ain't doing it here. You're not going to, you cannot penetrate this. Isaiah 55.11. You know I can't preach without using this one. Isaiah 55.11. So shall my word, a one man word, be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, that which I please, and it shall prosper. And the word prosper means push, push and pull the ebb and flow, and it shall prosper or push in the thing whereunto I sent it. It come, he said, a word. I'm sending a word. Abraham, one man, brings forth the children of Israel. Children of Israel comes forth Jesus. Jesus comes forth one holy nation, and out of the one holy nation comes what? The one new man, right? The the man-child in the earth. And out of the man-child, which we are, comes forth a nation. There is a nation in your loins. We may look like one. You may look like one, but there's a nation in you. You go out as one, but you come back as a many. Just like kids. 
You send a daughter out, she comes back with more. Are you with me? Now I'm going to talk about the corporate. I'm going, to, I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff. I don't know how long I've been going. Do what? The same Jesus already did that on do the utensils and the power of the raising altar. Now when I read, if you'll turn to Exodus 27, I just started reading about the description of the tabernacle, or the description of the brazen altar, and I thought it was very interesting. Because remember, that's a corporate man. That tabernacle standing up like that is a corporate man. You understand that, right? That this tabernacle is the corporate man. This is his head. This is his heart. This is his arms. And this is his feet in the earth. This is the head of Jesus. And this is the body, the church. This is Jesus, the head. And this is the body, the church, which is Christ. So you've got Jesus Christ, head and body equals one. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. If I had a bicycle in a box, it's wonderful to have a bicycle in a box, but it does not serve purpose because it is not assembled. It may be a piece here and a piece there. If I come here this morning or this evening and brought you the pedals, oh, aren't you so excited? I got this new pedal. It's so wonderful. What are you going to do with the pedal? Well, it goes to my bicycle. Well, you can't use it unless it is assembled as a one. It cannot be assembled without, unless it's a part of a one. It has to be a part of a whole. But if I take the same bicycle that's in the box, take it to Walmart and pay them $50 to put it together and assemble the gathering. The parts are gathered in the box, but they're assembled when the man takes the stuff and does the work and puts them together. And he assembles the gathering. And the gathering becomes the assembling. Then the assembling can appropriate in the earth the purpose for which it was created. Now the thing that was created, the maker understands, the, the maker knows the purpose of the thing he created. And the thing he created is sent to do what it's supposed to do. Because it was not just assembled, or was not just gathered, it was gathered and then assembled. So until you understand your purpose or your lot in the body of Christ, you're not just standing at the, uh, the, the you're not just standing at the cross saying, "Oh Lord, you're holy." You understand that the working of the cross was your death, and the working of the cross is your life. It birthed you into something greater. You become the, the divine offspring of God. You were by nature the children of wrath, but now are you partakers of the divine nature? Who you were went by way of the grave. Who you are is in Christ Jesus. You are the Lord's Christ. It's not who you're becoming, it's who you are. And until you stop waiting for some cataclysmic event to transform your life and start recognizing that you already are. And when you awaken to the reality, it will transform you and you will transform the nations. Brazen altar. Exodus 27. We're going to look for all the corporate. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood. There's a corporate shittim. 
Wood, right there. Corporate wood. We make this altar out of corporate wood. Five cubits long, five cubits broad. And the altar shall be four square. There's corporate right there. It's four square. Four is universal. It's for all mankind. Four square is a city that was built four square. There's, there, if there's no difference. All the four sides are just alike. There was no difference. Salvation unto all men. It doesn't matter your race, creed. And thou shalt make the horns of it, the horns, corporate, horns, upon the four corners, corporate, thereof, his horns shall be, horns, corporate, shall be of the same, and they shall be overlaid with brass. Judgment. So this is a corporate people that have been judged already. Now that you were judged in Adam, the judgment of Christ is, you know, I I did, um, I did, I went to, um, Preached somewhere in Carolinas. I don't even know when. Uh, but I happened to, I did a study while I was there. And I just typed in the word judgment in my, in my computer. Because at that time, judgment was such an issue. Will you hold that for me so I don't mark on myself? Thank you. Judgment was such an issue. I wanted to know what the Bible said about judgment. Now, most of these scriptures that I'm going to give you, I'm just going to go through here and read them, are not even from the New Testament. It said, he shall judge the world in righteousness. And we always thought he's judging it with sin, with, with wrath, didn't we? He said, this is, this is Psalms 9, 8. He shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. This is Old Testament. This is not even, this is not even at the cross yet. Psalms 35, 23 says, stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, righteous judgment. Psalms 37, 6, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as light and thy judgment as the noonday. We're not even in the New Testament yet. Psalms, um, Psalms 37, 28 says, For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. Isn't that awesome? Psalms 72, 2. He shall judge thy people with righteousness. Psalms 106. The Lord executed judgment, righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And we have been waiting for a judgment to come when the judgment has already passed. What judgment is that? The judgment of righteousness. He, we have eyes are what red with wine. We see all men how already judged in righteousness. Psalms one fourteen one nineteen one forty nine. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. Quicken me according to my judgment. Isaiah one twenty seven. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and her converts with righteousness. This is all Old Testament. We're not even in New Testament yet. Isaiah fifty seven fifty four seventeen. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. So if God is raising a judgment against us, we He's not condemned. That can't be God bringing an ugly judgment, a judgment of sin on us. Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me. Uh, Matthew 7, 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be ju- measured you again. Matthew seven twenty. And a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he send forth the judgment unto victory. And we're waiting for an impending judgment to come and wipe us off the face of the earth. 
John 5.22, For the Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And where was Jesus? On the cross, on the brass, on the brazen altar. He was lifted up and the judgment was all given to the Son. And Jesus took all the judgment of wrath. And it was all poured out upon Jesus. John 8.16, If I judge, my judgment is true. Did you know? I didn't even know part of these were even in here. Let me see. First Corinthians one ten. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name by by the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and be no divisions among you, but ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. First Peter 4.17 For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? If it starts with us and we know we're righteous and we know where we've been, we know the expected end. We know that they're judged in Christ as well because we were all with Him on the cross. We were all drawn to Him. Now the same death we all experience, now we have the life of Christ. Verse 3 of Exodus 27. It said, And thou shalt make his pans. Whose pans? His pans. There's a corporate pan. To receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. Every one of them is the judgment of Christ. And he goes on to talk about the staves and the two sides and the boards. And all that is to say is that it is a corporate expression. The brazen altar is about the of everything. The ashes. The ashes simply mean the smoke that ascended was conquest, saying, Ooh, he consumed it, he consumed the sin. It's done away with. And the ashes are there to simply understand. And they took the ashes. They would take the, the basin. They would take the shovel and they put the ashes in the basin. And they would take them without the camp in a clean place. So Jesus was taken without the camp into a clean tomb and laid. He became our ashes. And he gave us beauty for ashes. And it says the whole, what, what interests me, it says, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Oh, we're going to be crucified today. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because we understand that when he dies the death and we die in him, that the resurrection on the other side of that is the life of the Christ, the corporate Christ, and that now the, be- the ashes now has become beauty and that the life that we have now flows to all creation and we transform our nation. We may look like one man, but there's a nation in our loins. Hallelujah. 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 I feel like I've just blown up all over y'all. Has anybody got anything to add while we're still? We are the Lord's Christ. I forgot that one. Philippians 4.13, Kaylee. 
I was studying. We went to eat. And I said, honey, have you ever seen the scripture in the light of this? I singular. I singular can do all things through the corporate Christ which strengthens me. I singular can do all things through the corporate Christ which strengthens me. You are not, you are not in this alone. The I cannot do it, but I can do it if I got corporate Christ with me. I can do it with the whole. I can't do it alone, but I can do it with the whole. I, singular, can do all things through the corporate Christ, which strengthens me. The boards of the tabernacle are interlocked together. One board, another board, another board, another board. It was a corporate boarding. It was a corporate board. And they were on one board and one board together. And they created one board couldn't make the tabernacle. But I can do all things through all the corporate boards that strengthen me and hold me together. One side of the brazen altar, I can't do it by itself. It would fall over. It takes the corporate expression of the brazen altar to hold the sacrifice that would redeem an entire creation. It takes all of it. I, I like to do it like this. I like to do it like this. This is one of my favorite things. Like Oprah, one of my favorite things. C H R I S T. The I is swallowed up in the Christ. That's why if you sing me, you see the Father, because you see the Christ, you see the full expression of Him. It's not about the one man plan. It's about boards. It's about pillars. It's about shovels. It's about pans. It's about ashes. And he became a we when he was lifted up. And all men were drawn. He became a we. We, we. Has anybody got anything else? Yes, sir, Mr. Walker. See if I can get through this with get getting all choked up about it. Last time when Alan taught last Wednesday, and he talked about the linen fence and the rods being connected together, and every it was all connected together to hold up that linen fence. When Alan said that, something went off inside me. I mean, it absolutely. It said it takes all of us. For the righteousness to come forth. And Alan told me two or three times. He said, oh, that was horrible last week. No, it wasn't. It was not. Because last week when you said that, I said, Lord, you're trying to show me something. And then when Kathy brought this out, that's why I am so dependent upon the Christ that's in you. I can do all things through 
Christ. That's when I, I, I started hearing so much in this. I, that's why you've got to be so connected to a local body. That's why you've got to be so connected and so married to a local church, a local body, a local ministry. Local, just, it is so important. Because I could not be doing what I'm doing right now today without being connected to you. I can, I can do. That's double action. I, personal pronoun, can do double action verb, double anointing. But there will be no double anointing without you. No, uh, okay, think me crazy, think me mad. But when I asked Nolan to fix this, and I saw this, I said I could not do this without Nolan. He does not know how much putting a board on here ministered to me. He doesn't know. When I pick up the deposit book, and I see Maureen's taking time, and I pick that up, she does not know how much that ministers to me. She doesn't know. When the sisters fix communion, they do not know how much that ministers to me. When Brian runs the camera back there, they don't know how much that ministers to me. When, when Dina is here on Sundays and does the over, and, 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 and Marvin and Trevis doing the prayer, I draw so much from everybody in this place. When Shirley's not here, everybody goes, where's Shirley? Where's... That's why I can do all things through Christ. It, 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 it is singular and plural, but when I get plugged into y'all, that's when I, that's when I shine. That's when I shine. That's when I come forth. Do you know how many people... Kathy took a crew of people up to my room and decorated it, made it a history room. Do you know how many people come by and look at that room and go, Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Caleb hung all this red paper. When I turn those lights out, it's a shade of red. Red, there's a shadow of red over every kid. And I'm standing back there, and I said, They're all covered by the blood. Ah! I'm telling you what, people come by and they say, this room is amazing. It's simply amazing. There's the corporate Christ. There is the corporate Christ. It's, it's done something to me. This whole teaching on the tabernacle's done something to me. Our prayer time's done something to me. Everything about it has, I, I just step back and I go, the, if this offends you, get over it. Oh my God. Oh. That's the only way I know how to express it. That's the only way I know how to say it. I don't know how to say it without how to say it. But it is, is when I used to hear Kelly say, I'm not Christ and you're not Christ, but together, corporately, we make up Christ in the earth. The head and body ministry. And the body's going into all the world. Per capita. Per capita. All right? I'll guarantee you, we're not the largest church in the world. But I'll guarantee you, we're touching the nations of the earth. I'll guarantee you, dollar for dollar, we're touching the nations of the earth. I guarantee you, why? Because we've gotten a hold of something. It's not just one person doing it. If you're ever in a church and you can have one person that can preach, or you can have maybe two, a husband and wife, that's pretty good. But when you're in a church 
and you got any person that can come up to you and go, I have a word of the Lord, and they can preach, you got something to shout about. You got something to shout. Anytime Anthony comes up to me and says, Pastor Rocky, I got something. I know he's got something. He'll go three months and not say nothing. But I'll guarantee you when he opens his mouth, that quiet, timid, quiet man that sits back there, you know, the Clark Kent that, that's quiet and reserved, when he steps forth, it's Superman that comes out. And I mean, you stand back and everybody, even the Baptists go, amen. He grabbed a hold of a Baptist man one time and said, I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for him. I said, well, go ahead. You hear what I'm saying to you? The corporate Christ in the earth is doing something. Glory to God. Now, if you got something to add, you have to use the mic, my wife said. Anybody got any add-ons? Miss Walker? Not because she's my wife, but I'll guarantee you they know. That's some good preaching right there, what we had tonight. Amen. Give give this woman a God a hand. (laughs) Woo! Oh, glory. Now you can turn it off, uh, Brad. Almost called you B-boy.